Welcome back to the Futures Podcast and this bonus episode. Before I get into today's guest, I want to thank you so much for listening throughout this series. It's honestly been such a joy and I'm really excited to get cracking on the next season, which is going to focus on health, wellness and the intersection between sustainability and our daily well-being. So on to today's conversation. Today's guest is Luke Henning, CFO of Cirque the only startup in the world right now who can recycle and recover both polyester and cotton from fabrics. The technology Cirque is using could be one of the solutions to textile waste, which as we know is a major contributor to carbon emissions and pollution. Luke explains why we haven't figured out to recycle textiles yet and what it'll take to get there. He offers his advice on how we can all lower our environmental impact Plus, he shares how Patagonia has supported Cirque's mission to recycle 10 billion garments, which will save more than 100 million trees. It's pretty exciting. Over to my conversation with Luke. And don't forget to like, subscribe. And if you enjoy this conversation, leave a review and share it with a friend. When I was doing my research, I came across your tagline, which I just want to read out. Our goal is 10, 10, 100. Cirque aims to recycle 10 billion garments, representing 10% of the global apparel market, which will save more than 100 million trees. I mean, wow. <laughs> so if that's the goal, that is a pretty awesome goal to have. So first of all, Luke, big, big welcome. You're CFO at Cirque. I want to get to all of that. But really to start off, I would love for you to maybe give listeners a little bit of your backstory and your journey, how you came to be in this position, because I know you've had a really diverse career and you left a, a very, very different career to come into this. From my accent, I am South African. I was born in Johannesburg, grew up in Pretoria and then ultimately moved to Cape Town I was working for KPMG, doing management consulting, mostly consulting to banks on financial risk. And I really felt like something was missing and that I needed to think about what I wanted to do next. I really was sick and tired of uh, selling time. It just didn't feel right to me. And so my wife and I discussed it. We actually went away for a trip to Thailand and we we were like, by the end of this, we're going to make a decision about what's happening next. And I spoke to a good friend. He was like, why don't you do an MBA? And he then said, don't do a part-time MBA because I did get into some of those programs a full year off and just go and do it. So I applied. I went to Oxford for a year, which was amazing. It was very enlightening and really broadened my worldview around a lot of things and crystallized a lot of my thinking around how I really wanted to work with startups, but also with a purpose and go and tackle a big challenge. And while I was there, I met the chairman of our company who had just invested. He'd invested in this new company, which wasn't called Cirque at the time. It was called Titan Biosciences. And he asked me to take, come and take a look at the, some spreadsheets, the, you know, these guys he's invested in. I went across, I met the team, really liked them, really liked the vision, loved what they were doing, could see the, the significant impact it could have on the world. And so decided to pick up and move to the United States. Now, we were a little bit idealistic in thinking that um, we could design a non-food crop that could replace corn as the predominant source of sugar for ethanol in the United States, because actually they use food crops 
to produce ethanol for fuel in the US. It's the predominant crop. The industry was very wedded to that. And then there were also some rather dramatic market failures in advanced biofuels. And so we were looking around at what else we could use our technology for. And in talking to one of our partners, they asked whether we could process T-shirts. We tested this throughout our process, got very promising results really rapidly. And we thought, okay, that's fine. But based on the last experience, how serious are people about this? Is this a big problem that people are trying to solve? It turned out it was. Um, once we said we could do it and people said, wait, wait, you can? We were like, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, is this a big deal? As soon as we popped our head above the parapet, suddenly we got so much interest. We realized we were in a very different space and that, you know, you know we needed to transition Titan into fully focusing on textile recycling. And that's when we, re, you know, rebranded as Cirque to make it more appropriate for the industry we were addressing. We also started to get cold calls from brands who were reaching out to us. We were starting to get calls to talk at conferences and it, it was a very, very different environment. So that's a, in a nutshell, my transition from South Africa, from management consulting through MBA through radical shift to a startup to the startup radically shifting to textile recycling. Wow, that's that's a roller coaster. And before I get into Cirque and the technology and everything, I'd actually really love to ask you about that moment at the end of your trip when you decided to make the leap, because I think a lot of people who are listening to this might be in a similar position when they're, you know, they're in a career that maybe they're not so crazy about, or they just feel like something's missing, but it's very different to feel like that. And then to actually take the leap to change. So what was the driving force for you or what gave you the courage in the end? So in part, I'm quite an impulsive person. So <laughs> that helps. <laughs> so that helps. And I'm a lot less risk averse than many people, which is a good trade to have if you're ever going to work for a startup because startups are high risk and I would caution anyone who wants to work for a startup. So Luke even if you are like obviously a very risk adverse person going into a startup is a completely different type of I think you need to have a very particular personality especially when like you went into one startup but even in your time there it completely pivoted so would you agree that it, it's it's quite a unique um career choice to to take I, I would definitely and I, I would say rather than risk averse you've got to be pretty risk loving <laughs> rather than risk averse because startups are definitely a roller coaster ride the although I worked for KPMG before and everyone sees them as this big accounting house I joined a small division which was actually completely brand new and essentially this was not my first startup. We actually did a startup within this massive organization. And, and then I just essentially moved to another startup. So it was definitely within my nature to be willing to accept both the risk and the flexibility that was needed to constantly change. So just for people who are listening, who maybe are yet to become familiar with Cirque, can you give us like a little walk through what exactly you guys do and the kind of technology behind us? The way to think about it is textiles, the predominant textiles out there are blended. So you, when you buy something, 
you might buy 100% cotton or you might buy 100% poly, but most of the stuff is blended together. And the challenge when you blend textiles together is it's like anything. It makes it really difficult to separate and to recycle. Now, what we have been able to do with our technology is we basically take blended poly cotton garments and we're able to dissolve the polyester out. So we dissolve the polyester out, breaking it down to its basic chemicals, because essentially it's just a long chain of molecules. So you're just cutting those chains apart. And then we recover those monomers, the TPA and ethylene glycol, and we're able to take those and put them back together to make new polyester exactly the way they traditionally make polyester, we're just recovering it from waste textiles. Now, when you do that, you're left with, you know, like a cotton skeleton, you're left with the the residual cotton as a solid piece. Now, when you recycle the polycottons, what happens to the cotton is it's not really suitable for respinning. It's really difficult to respin it at that point, partially because you've taken off all of the finishing chemistry that they put on clothing so that it survives all those numerous washes and things like that. So you get this cotton out and you can take that cotton. It's a very pure form of cellulose and you can use that to replace tree-based cellulose, which is what they use to make lyocell, viscose, rayon, modal. All of those are made currently from trees. In fact, little known fact is that they chop down about 200 million trees a year to make those man-made cellulosics. So all these man-made, supposedly sustainable materials are not quite so. They have their own origins in trees. And as we all know, we're losing biodiversity by the second and we need to retain as many as possible. So then that comes back to your, your opening statement that I read, which is the whole process you're doing is saving materials, repurposing them, and then also saving trees in the long run. Yeah, if you think about it, I mean, you can now get a lot of those trees from managed forests and things like that but the problem is is a lot of those managed forests used to be rainforests and so there's a a big land use and land loss area and a big biodiversity loss concern around using you know trees the other thing is if you can instead pull it from waste you can save a lot more of those trees the idea here the resources that are essential for carbon capture or already carbon capture basically in the ground. Because the other thing we deal with is polyester. Most people don't realize that most of their clothes are made from plastic and it's the same plastic that's in your water bottles, right? And that comes ultimately from oil, which is essentially you're pulling sequestered carbon out from under the ground to convert it into something on the surface. So you guys are basically undoing pretty much the biggest problem that we have in the world and look fashion is one of the major players I mean the rate at which fashion is consumed and disposed of right now is so unsustainable we're still consuming fashion at a rate that is just mind-boggling and like you said most of it is polyester and there's a lot of blends synthetic blends and it's so interesting because there is such a big push now on you know recycled clothing but you know like like you guys have said it's not always as simple as that. There's still parts of the recycled material that, like you described with the cotton, can't be reused. So it's like, what do we do with it? So this is like an amazing solution. I'm not surprised you're getting cold calls from fashion companies because they're under so much pressure now to try and undo a lot of the damage that has been done. When you did start getting the cold calls from, from brands, 
what was their what was their concern? Did they just want to have a solution for excess product or were they excited with the opportunity to reuse product? I think the major impetus was customers were becoming aware. And so they needed to find a solution. The waste was there, but we're becoming more aware of just how wasteful this is. And so I think there was a lot of recognition that this was coming and they needed to move. If you think about what's happening in that space in terms of how all the stakeholders are reacting, governments are definitely stepping in. I mean, the EU is going zero, zero textiles to landfill. They're putting in extended producer responsibility, uh, taxes on fashion. You're seeing, you know, recycled content laws going in in places like California, all around the world. These things are starting to come in. And it's, you know, also that customers are just becoming more and more aware. So brands have now put out a lot of bold targets and bold statements about how they're going to transform. A lot of that is around recycled content. and frankly the solutions just don't exist or aren't fully scaled yet so they've made commitments and now they're scrambling for solutions because currently the way they're doing it is they've all turned to bottles right you all see these recycled polyester garments right and they're like oh look this is this was a bottle and now it's clothing the challenge with that is going from bottle to clothing to incineration or burying it in the ground just means you're doing life extension you know it would be much better if those bottles went from bottle to bottle to bottle to bottle but it's being diverted now from bottle to textiles to landfill because Mm -hmm. there's no way once it's in textiles to recover it again Mm -hmm. and that's where we come in is that the largest amount is actually trapped in these blends you're talking about 60 million tons of polyester going into textiles a year At 60 million tons. If you take that and you're able to recover it and get it so that it's not just life extension that you're actually able to recycle it, it's it's a big thing. And we're starting to see this need for recycled material also becoming an issue for the brands in terms of just price. Because, you know, you're looking at recycled polyester being, the prices have doubled in the last few years or more. And you're now, it's more expensive to get recycled polyester than it is to get virgin polyester. You know, that is the, they're seeing this as an imperative. They need to increase the supply. So the key takeaway I've taken so far is that even if something you're wearing or using is recycled, that doesn't mean that it's recyclable. So it it could, that they could have, as you say, just extended the life cycle and that might be the end of the life cycle, which as we now know, we need to be moving towards circularity in everything. We just need things to keep going and going and going. So in terms then of scale, what kind of scale are you guys working at? So we are very much looking at scaling. That's very much the next stage for us. We're currently at you know a few tons per day with our partners, but we are looking at the order of magnitude of 200 plus tons per day. Now that sounds crazy but that's actually a relatively standard industrial scale for a lot of equipment you know when you talk about some of these facilities people are like whoa 200 tons per day but if you think about that that's you know 60 70 000 tons per year we're talking about a 60 million ton problem so it's you know there's space for many of these facilities and we need many of these facilities you touched on 
one of the key points and that is that currently even if you have recycled content generally it's the end of the line when you stop using that uh, that garment because it doesn't have somewhere else to go and so we need solutions to be scaled to take that so that it has somewhere to go once it's no longer used the best thing that people can do is to actually look after their clothes and wear them for longer at this point it's a vitally important thing that people should be thinking about in terms of their own personal carbon footprint the other thing to realize is that as big as the post consumer textile problem is there's an equal or greater amount that never reaches a consumer when you make garments there's a lot of waste along the supply chain you know and you're trying to be as efficient as possible but i mean if you think about it if you're cutting a circle out of a square everything around the circle is going to be scrap you've also got unfortunately something you touched on which is a lot of pre-consumer waste as we we call it and that's a big challenge where you know what happens if you designed a garment produced a garment and then you realize it's not in fashion what do you do with it can't sell it so they often get sent to be destroyed and that's it's a crazy truth of the fashion industry it is and you know i mean you had that very very public outing of burberry a couple of years ago where you know it was revealed that they were literally burning hundreds of thousands of products just because they didn't want to keep them in the supply chain and it, it happened again recently with with another brand where you know they were cutting their bags that weren't selling so that you know nobody can use them but they're being put to waste and I think actually if there was more knowledge around the supply chain and the waste that that goes in along the way I think a lot more people would take care of their clothing I think a lot of the time you know people just don't realize you get this end product this beautiful sweater or whatever it is and you just don't think about what's happened before I know I used I used to work in the fashion industry and I just I loved it and it was only when I started to dig deeper that I realized there was so much that had gone into that finished product. And I, Luke, honestly, I just thank you so much for saying about taking care of the clothing thing, because, you know, I think sometimes in these conversations that can be very easy to feel overwhelmed and not know what to do. And that is such an awesome practical thing that every single person can do. Just take care of your clothes, wear them for longer, repair them, reuse them. I mean, that is, if everybody did that, we would be in such such a better place even by next week by next month so thank you for saying that because sometimes these conversations can be really really heavy and it's lovely to have something practical that people can take away and be like okay they're going to look after lots of this problem but I can also do something so in terms then of people you're working with are there any partners that you can talk to us about I know you have some on your website but is there anyone that in particular you're very excited to work with one that's probably the most public is of course that uh, Patagonia was one of our lead investors in our last round and you know it was a very big show of confidence when they did invest because they are a, a true sustainability leader and champion you know they they really think about their design choices very carefully and will actually take less profit to build a more sustainable product we need so many more companies like them I mean they're just yeah they're just my my go-to and I, I was hoping you'd mention them because I saw them on your website and of course they're involved they're just so forward-thinking and such like the antithesis of what a clothing brand should be in terms of profit margins and everything but just an ethos that is so inspiring so I'm not surprised they've gotten behind you guys because it's I'm sure it's a no-brainer for them 
that's really exciting and then on a personal note what keeps you excited about about working in this field it's so different from what you used to be into is it the start of life is it the environmental aspect of it I, I think for me and for everyone in our company we are very purpose-driven people we get up and do what we do because we're really passionate about solving a big challenge and something that will meaningfully impact the world and I think climate change and sustainability will be the key fight for humanity's survival in a lot of ways over the next while. I think it is so imperative that we act and act now. You know, we you've mentioned our big audacious goal out there, but the reason we set ourselves these big goals is because we need to bend the arc of, you know, where we're headed because otherwise we're headed to a bit of a climate disaster, frankly. So what gets us up, what gets us motivated, what get, keeps us going is frankly, you know, focusing on solving a big challenge and solving it in a way that will meaningfully improve the world for everyone. I cannot think of a better way to finish such a fascinating conversation. Luke, thank you so much for your time and for shedding light on this really important topic and for sharing the story of CERP. It's so inspiring and a massive thank you to you and your team for doing the work that you're doing. I can't wait to see how you grow and evolve and all the things you're going to do to help, help push us in the right direction. Thank you so, so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you.